you're listening to You Need to Stop Doing That, a podcast from Work Better Day and MatchPace. I'm your host, Elizabeth Knox. We are all facing a million decisions a day, big ones and little ones, and it can be overwhelming. Our quick solution is often to add more to our lives, more technology hacks, more responsibilities, more relationships. In reality, if we want to be more successful, have a greater impact, and maintain the quality relationships that we have, we need to make choices to prune away some things from our lives. Only then can our priorities have the place that they deserve. In this podcast, we explore how to stop doing something in a world where we expect ourselves and others to keep saying yes to the next thing. On today's episode, I am speaking with Dustin Siggins from Proven Media Solutions. We are talking about the publicity process for small businesses, and we talk about why you need to stop putting social media on a pedestal. Take a listen. Hey, Dustin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, I'm five foot eight and three quarters, which is tall, tall in my family, but short anywhere else. <laughs> I'm the founder of Proven Media Solutions, a publicity firm focused on content creation, content placement, and media relationships. And previously, I was director of communications for a national trade association and a journalist who published 3,000 times. Wow, that's impressive. Um, both your height and your um, <laughs> number of times you've been published. Yes. Um, I own every you know, quarter inch that you've got. I have to. It makes me an eighth of an inch taller than my brother. There you go. Um, so my husband is actually like cruising. He's just about six foot seven. And he is the only person I know who lies down for his height. I am like five, seven and a half. And I'm like, oh, I'm five, eight. And he's like, I'm six, six. Um, so I understand all of the nuances around height. <laughs> Um, okay, so at Proven Media Solutions, tell us a little bit about what you do, because what I would love to hear from you today is kind of around this idea of marketing and branding and communications, what small businesses are doing. So tell us what you do first, and then I want to hear what you have observed that you feel like small businesses need to stop doing in that regard. Sure. But tell us what you do first. Sure. So our specialty is in the publicity process. The process of creating content, finding places to get it published in newspapers, online, uh, also getting uh, our folks on radio shows and the like, and then getting it out there, creating those media and influencer relationships to ensure that our clients have the greatest access possible to gain exposure to get, and, and accomplish their overarching goals, whether those are revenue generation, branding, and the like. And then when small businesses get started, kind of where do you see them? going with their communications efforts and where do you what do you think that of those efforts are probably not the best place for them to invest their time or resources it, it really depends on the business a, a lot of people think that social media is the the king and newspapers are old mm -hmm. but in fact a lot of depending on your demographic tv and newspapers may be a better fit than social media there's no uh, silver bullet answer here. It really depends upon what your business does, what your target market is, and what your organizational goals are. I saw them on social media, but they were doing a local news. They were, they put up on their social, on their Instagram, a picture of them doing the local news. And they talked about how that's still the way that a lot of people get their news. And so you shouldn't think about just getting broad, either national or worldwide attention through social media and people who would 
kind of find you because they would already be interested to look for you. But in terms of getting in front of people who might not be on social media all the time, local news is actually a pretty good. Well, and for high-end clients, right? So people who are very wealthy who want to spend, I I met uh, a designer earlier this year. She designs rooms. One of her clients spent $150,000 on one room. Mm-hmm. That person's not trolling social media, looking for the person with the, the snazzy, um, you know, posts. Mm-hmm. They're looking for people who are in their magazines they're reading, who are at the social events they're going to. Mm-hmm. These are people making three hundred thousand dollars a year. They're still literally the one percent. Mm-hmm. They're not using Twitter to find, you know, or Google searches to find the best room designers. How do small businesses stop putting social media on a pedestal? It really boils down to doing a. a significant work in market research and finding out what is your target market doing? What are they, who are they uh, seeking? Why are they seeking them, et cetera? And in, in my case, for example, I have a column at Home Business Magazine and I, I contribute occasionally to Virginia Business. Those two publications are focused on one of our target audiences, which is the small business community. Mm-hmm. Additionally, I still have a column in a political publication because many of our clients are political advocacy and nonprofit organizations. And I contribute on the, on the side to some religious publications because we've had several religious clients mm-hmm. that are focused on um, some, some local issues or they needed some help in just getting their message out. Mm-hmm. And so that allows us to market to those clients in a way that is most effective. Mm-hmm. And again, other, other organizations, my business partners, full-time business is Cape Cod Gutter Monkeys. They, they put money into their radio advertising. Not only have they won awards, They've also, the radio advertising leads to positive branding, which leads people to look them up on their website, which leads to phone calls. It's part of the overall package. Mm-hmm. And so they use social media to a degree, but it's really their, their award-winning radio advertising, which is bringing calls on the door. And their fifth year in business, they're going to have 5,000 customers. Wow. And so it really depends upon what your audience is, who you're targeting, what you're delivering, and all of the uh, all of the other factors involved in market research and target market. For us, we try to take a, a long-term business approach to our clients because today's press release needs to have at least in the back of its mind, so to speak, where you want your company to be five years ago, five years from now. Mm-hmm. And make sure that your mission statement, your goals, and everything you're doing are looking in the long term. Just as with any athlete at five years old, you know, if a parent gets their child involved in sports, they're not looking at, oh, at six years old, I want you to be here. They're looking 10, 12, 15 years from now, do we want you to be a, an accomplished athlete who's able to uh, you know, accomplish any number of goals? So I have kind of come of age as a business owner in the world of online businesses. And so there's a lot of pressure towards social media, but I have kind of I'm like, but I don't think that's where I'm going to find my clients, but I still feel this pressure of like, well, I've got to have a presence, you know, so that if people then go look, like they might hear about me or whatever, and then they go look for me. I don't want them to find an empty profile, but I don't know. What would you say to that? Like, would you say what measure of maintenance do people need to do on social media or do they just have a, I mean, what I've thought about doing is having, we have an Instagram handle for match pace, but just putting up a, a mosaic, like, I guess you can create those that says like, find us on LinkedIn. Like that's really the place where we're going to be finding people. Sure. How well, then again, like step out of kind of the, the fear of not having a social presence. Well, again, it depends upon what your goals are. It's, a, it's usually important to have 
a social presence. But the other thing too is, and, and again, we're to the, the, the masters of Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, we're not bashing social media here. We're just kind of pointing out where people need to quit doing things that are not productive. And a lot of times, one of the presentations I did at the Tower Club earlier this year, uh, Susan Trippers asked a great question. I believe you interviewed Susan. Yeah. Um, and she asked a great question during my presentation. She asked, you know, how do we use social media more effectively as a publicity firm? And my answer was that when you post on social media, a lot of people post outbound links to The Economist or to Forbes or to a lot of these publications have good material. Mm -hmm. But how does that help your business grow? How does that help you drive traffic to your website? Help establish you as a thought leader? A couple of lines linking to somebody else's work doesn't really do that necessarily. It may for some people, but for a lot of people, it does not. Mm -hmm. So we focus on helping people get the written word or again, radio shows, TV shows, et cetera. But we're really, we specialize in the written word side. And so if you can get published at someplace like the Washington Post or Virginia Business or any other publications that are relevant to your target audience, then you put that on social media. Mm -hmm. Now that's a little more impressive. Now if people are clicking or likely to click through on your email newsletter and the like, and that's that, that um, strategy, I think we believe brings a lot more value to social media posts and social media presence. It's also why well, my firm recently launched a syndicated column to help to provide high quality material to small businesses that they can use to drive traffic to their websites and their email newsletters and on their social media. So, I mean, I think that kind of answers my next question, which is if you quit putting social media on a pedestal, what does it allow you to do? You know, what I heard was like, it allows you to stop kind of a sending people other places because you're posting other people's content. It also allows you to spend your time creating your own content and then putting out something of higher value. So are there other things that, that it would help? Oh God. I mean, there's, there's so many benefits. It, let's say you want to announce something going on with your organization. You have an event coming up, a new product, getting in the press and then putting that out on social media is hugely beneficial. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a client, really cool client, actually, uh, Lumapod or an Austrian based firm that last year, launched a tech-based patented tripod system. And it was a really cool, pro and, they brought, and they brought us on three weeks before the launch, four, four weeks before the launch. Mm. They had already done tremendous marketing on Facebook. And in the course of their work, they raised $400,000 uh, on their Kickstarter within 40 hours. It was very impressive. Wow. A lot of that was their social media marketing. Mm -hmm. But they brought us in and we ended up getting them placed at two top tier publications in their space. And one of those publications brought $15,000 worth of clicks to their Kickstarter page. Mm. And so for them, uh, getting in the press, not only was a brand builder, but it was a driver of sales. Mm -hmm. So again, it really depends upon what your goals are. For a political client, it's usually less about driving sales per se, mm -hmm. and more about um, getting their voice out there, establishing themselves in their space. Mm -hmm. And for the religious clients, it was more about uh, they were fighting against larger, more established um, uh, or, uh, entities. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to be able to sort of have an insurgent campaign. So yeah, it depends on what your your aim is, but how you can use other types of more traditional media. We've talked about kind of not putting social media on a pedestal. Um, what are some other things that small businesses do around communications and marketing and branding um, that you feel like they need to to stop doing? 
Sure. So one thing is quit waiting until there's an emergency mm-hmm. to get your to establish your brand. Mm-hmm. At some point, a small business is likely to be sued or accused of something or have a bad review. Establishing your brand proactively, your voice is very important so that when someone attacks you, you have 10, 20, 100, or 1,000, depending upon your business, good reviews out there, positive mentions, and all those other things that, in whether it's in court or whether it's just in, in the, the, the eyes of the public, you've established that credibility. So if someone says, they did this wrong, or they did this bad or unethically, you can say, well, geez, here is, you know, we've been hashtagged 3,700 times in the last five years by clients with a great experience with us. I'm not sure how credible your statement is. And you don't even have to say that yourself. You just say, well, we're sorry you had a bad experience. Mm-hmm. 3,700 people had great ones. Mm-hmm. And that alone, because you've been establishing that brand, brings that credibility. Mm-hmm. Another thing um, small business owners need to quit doing is seeing their brand solely as a logo or a website. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week, I sat through a very interesting seminar hosted by the Northern Virginia Chamber of Commerce. And Liz Johnson was a panelist. She's a president and principal consultant with Mountain View Marketing. And she shared that successful branding must be three things, engaging, effective, and consistent. And every one of your touch points in the marketplace must be branded. And I bring this back to my business partner. When we were chatting some time ago, he pointed out that their brand isn't just the radio ad. It's not just the two the two person teams who have good big smiles. They know how to do an invoice. They handle things ethically and they're clean and they're efficient and professional. It's not just the truck with the signs on the side or they're funny and engaging ads and they're a funny and engaging website or the smiles on the phone when someone calls to set up that initial uh, estimate. It's all of the above mm-hmm. because if, any, if there's a breakdown in any one of those points, the brand is, is not, not going to work. As Liz put it, final value propositions, branding color palette, font, tone, and messaging must be showcased consistently throughout all of your outreach components. Mm. The lack of brand consistency dilutes your brand in the marketplace and has an associated lost opportunity cost with it. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of small businesses need to quit thinking about brand as a small thing mm-hmm. and think of it as part of their overarching picture. I could see that. And that, I mean, that feels like a lot of pressure, um, but it is, I mean, like you said, then when something goes wrong, I participated in something called the startup leadership program and we, it's kind of a mini incubator. And one of the days they had a bunch of professionals come and talk to you. And basically everybody's message was like, everything's okay until it's not, you know? So it's like, you think that you don't need contracts until someone takes your intellectual right. property or. exactly Yeah. Well, and it, look, let's think about branding from your perspective, right? I'm on your website, matchpace.net. Mm-hmm. And you have someone who said, work hard, live well, welcome to Matchpace. And someone's walking on a like a, a craggy mountaintop, without knowing what you do at Matchbase. That that says okay, you're you're cool. You have a good website, and you're about the the holistic life experience. That's what that tells me. Mm-hmm. Am I am I right? You are correct. Yes. <laughs> and if you go to our website, ProvenMediaSolutions.net, you know our goal is to establish trust and credibility because a mm-hmm. lot of public relations publicity firms they are very amorphous. Everyone's been burned by a PR agency who overpromised. Mm-hmm. So we want to establish that we're not cool, we're not jazzy, we are trustworthy. We are going to help you get to the top when that's where our image comes from, mm-hmm. our logo comes from. Mm-hmm. And then immediately we establish getting you published, mm-hmm. solving your writing, publishing, and media needs by getting you in the press. 
mm-hmm. is exactly what we do and establishes some of that visual uh, energy that is needed to uh, bring about a first, good first or second impression to client, potential clients. Yeah, no, that's fun. That's a nice little diagnosis of like, are you consistently, are you consistently putting yourself out there um, rather than a little bit different here, a little bit different there? Yeah, that is some good advice. Earlier in our conversation, you, when you were talking about trying to find the right clients um, and that, you know, maybe social media isn't the right place to do it, you brought up like which events people should attend. Um, do you have thoughts around how to position yourselves and how not to position yourselves? Cause I know that you can kind of, people can sink evenings and evenings of their lives into networking events. Oh gosh. Yes. So I, I think what I was actually referencing was, uh, events being hosted by someone. So for oh, example, okay. whether okay. you're um, going to be participating in something or whether you are the Northern Virginia, Virginia Chamber of Commerce having an event or like I did, an, I did a presentation at the Tower Club and I had to market that to Tower Club members. So there, there's that side of it. But on the other side, you, you make a, you made a really good point. There's so many networking events and core organizations, whether it's Business Networking International, which I've checked out but didn't become part of, One Million Cups, which I've, I've been fortunate enough to present to, uh, tomorrow will be my fourth time presenting to two area groups, nice. one, in, one in Manassas, one in Fairfax. There are, there's, um, a new one in DC, I forget the name. There, there are so many networking events, local, national, whatever. A lot of small business owners, I, I think they focus on rubbing lots of elbows mm-hmm. at like chamber of commerce events and the like, rather than rubbing the right elbows. Mm-hmm. I would rather find five people who are funnel points for referrals and for uh, clients and other things, uh, networking and for advice and all of those things then rub a hundred elbows of people just like me because people who are just like me, you know, they're not one step above me financially. They're not going to be buyers. They're yeah. They're not going to be buyers. And if they are buyers, it's going to be a lot more work. You know, a lot of people I've just in the last three weeks talked to two different business owners. One had been in business three years. One's been in business 20 years and they're both sick and t- they use different words, but they're sick and tired of working with small dollar clients and it's because they've branded themselves in such a way that they're getting small dollar clients who are more of a headache. I'm sure you know this. Smaller mm-hmm. clients tend to be bigger headaches, more time, but they make you less money. Right. And so it's not a great move necessarily. I think that's a big challenge in some of the networking that goes on with small businesses is rubbing as many elbows as possible. For me, I don't do networking events in the evening. Mm-hmm. My wife and I have a baby we put down at seven very important part of our life to make sure that that happens. And I don't want to go to a networking event at 5.30 and fight traffic on the way in and try traffic on the way home and bump into people just like me. And I'm not saying I'm in a bad spot. I like where I'm at. But I don't want to talk to people just like me. Mm -hmm. It's an echo chamber, not not a productive um, board meeting, so to speak. Yeah. So then how do you find the right places to go? How have you found targeting the right so maybe then is it networking events aren't a great place or well, tell me more, like, tell me then. So this is what you need to stop doing is just trying to rub as many elbows as possible. How do you find right. the right elbows? Oh, this is where social media does come in handy. It's going to certain networking events. Who is going to be at events that you want to attend that are going to have your uh, target audiences. Mm-hmm. If you're a venture capitalist, maybe or in that space and technology space, there's an event on August 7th coming up. In the, in the DC metro area, some um, the exact location. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an event you want to go to. 
there's always, whether it's trade publications, using them for research, whether it's using your own connections, social media, make sure that you're looking to see who am I trying to reach? What am, how am I, why am I trying to reach them? What do I want out of these people? Mm -hmm. Make sure, of course, that uh, you always have an added value for them too. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so that's what I would do. And that's why when I go to a networking event, typically I do quite a bit of research into who's going, what are their demographics and other factors. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Stop going to events just for the sake of going to events and make sure that they're targeted. Um, and I think when you are a small business owner, you're kind of scrambling, scrambling, and instead maybe take a deep breath and... Well, let, let's put it this way. The uh, I know most people hate the New England Patriots, so I'm going to alienate myself from much of your listenership by saying I'm a Patriots fan, but I'm also from New Hampshire, so what do you expect? Uh -huh. The Patriots couple years back, right? They were down, what was it, 23 points against the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl? I don't think anyone has a plan for coming back in the last quarter of the Super Bowl. But the Patriots didn't panic. They had been through this before. They had an experienced quarterback, an experienced line. Everyone was prepared for those opportunities, for what was in front of them. And for a small business owner, it's more important to be prepared in some ways. And more obviously, if you have a large organization, you have to be prepared because you have other responsibilities and the bigger ship takes more time to turn. There may be legal uh, components. But for a small business owner, one or two, three-person shop, you have got to use your time efficiently and effectively. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, every loss minute is a minute of lost business or lost branding opportunity or lost opportunity to grow your business and accomplish your long-term goals. So that's why, you know, sometimes it's been a little alienating, but I've had to tell people I can't make your event. Mm -hmm. You know, I talked to someone just this week. Um, I'm going to one organization that he, um, he leads, but another one, it's going to be 10 to 15 people. There's a cost to get in the door and I'm not going to be presenting. It's, it's not a good use of my time to drive 40 minutes each way. Mm. And as much as I might learn something and I might meet some interesting people, is that going to help accomplish my organization's long-term goals? And as, as, as left-brained and clinical as that is, mm -hmm. that is exactly how you have to think as a business owner. Without forgetting, of course, we are dealing with people, but in terms of the added the, the, the value propositions and the opportunity cost of going to networking events. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, I was listening to this podcast, I think it's called Two Bobs, and it's these two guys who've both built impressive consulting um, consulting businesses. And um, the one talked about, he just has a policy that he doesn't speak on panels. And, you know, it's, he's lost a couple of opportunities, but he's like, he's established enough in his career that he's like, I have a lot to say. If you want to hear from me, that's great, but I'm not going to be used as like a counterpoint or a whatever. And um, what I also learned from that was like, you can set your own policy. He's a one person shop. He's like, it's my policy. I don't, no one's ever questioned like, what do you right. mean it's your policy you can do whatever you want um and so i think kind of people are maybe afraid to set those boundaries for themselves well just but... same thing with pricing right mm -hmm. water finds its own level if you set your prices low mm -hmm. you will attract clients that you may not want to deal with right if you set your prices high you may scare off some clients right but in the long run you know it may be beneficial to raise your prices and that's what we're talking about here it's raising your value in the marketplace by going to only the networking events or other uh, goings on that you believe are worth your time. Right. Yeah. And knowing what those standards are. Um, Correct. Yeah. That takes some time and error. You know, I, I went to a lot of evening networking events and realized I don't like, I mean, I don't like driving a rush hour anyway. Right. Never mind missing, you know, that time with the baby, which is a very important part of, you know, my personal and professional life. Right. 
Definitely. Well, speaking of personal and professional, there's one question that I'm asking every guest at the end of our talk, oh um, at the end of our conversation, is what is something that you, right now, that you are trying to stop doing and how is it going? Sure. So one of the things that I'm trying to stop doing is going to those same events that I've been talking to, overcommitting. Mm-hmm. It's a policy I've really had to work on the last um, six, eight months because I'm a former journalist. You go to these events, you jump in, you push, you push, you push. That's not the way to run a business. And so while I have been learning this as a, as a small business owner, it, these things take time. I was a journalist for five year, five plus years, you know, up to 15, depending how you look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's very difficult. Professional journalists, I should say, full-time and then part-time for another 10 years or so. It's difficult to, even though you have these standards in your brain, to continue to apply them every mm-hmm. single time. The standards mm-hmm. have to be set. They have to be held to, mm-hmm. or you're going to be committing yourself to unqualified leads and unqualified events. Yeah. Another thing that um, we're committing to in my business is continuing to hold the, the line on our prices, because, especially on this column I mentioned earlier. It's $100 a month to have access to our syndicated column. Mm-hmm. And a lot of organizations and people have said, oh, we like this if it's free. You know what? We were trying to separate the wheat from the chaff here. And the $100 a month does that. And so that's what a lot of small businesses, I think, need to also do is separate the wheat from the chaff, whether it's in their time, whether it's in their pricing, whatever it is that would separate the clients who may be good people, but aren't good clients. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. I was just, um, I work at a WeWork. And so I was just talking with another entrepreneur and we were talking about kind of when you don't have a lot of business, the pressure to cut your prices, but then you end up with lower paying clients and it kind of, it costs the same to run an engagement, whether they're a high paying client or a low paying client. And oftentimes like a low paying client doesn't even, it's hard to keep the momentum. Um, you know, and so then you feel like you're not delivering value. You feel like you're being underpaid. You feel, and so we were just saying, you know, you feel this tension, like, well, I've got to build more business, but then you need to build the right business. And what, you know, what opportunity costs, what are you missing out on by, working with that lower paying client, it means you're not out finding the... Well, it's, it's more time and effort and they, they expect more. Lower paying clients expect more often because this is the only shot they have to get mm-hmm. press, in my case, get press. Mm-hmm. And so they want to get everything now. And it's, you know, I had one guy I was talking to, he did not become a client. Uh, we did some, some other work together, but he had not been placed in the press in over 18 months. And but told me he only wanted top tier fortune, Washington Post, Boston Globe level level placement. So as we talked about it, I realized that, and this person wanted to write their first draft, which is fine. They wrote the first draft and their first draft was written like a college paper. Mm. When I asked this person, you know, with subheadings and everything else, it isn't seen in a top tier publication. So that's this person, you know, do you read the Washington Post? Do you read the New York mm-hmm. Times? And he said, no, I read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. So the person hadn't been placed and they hadn't even read the kind of publications they want to get in. And they thought that they knew how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And that person's very good in their chosen space, I'm sure. And, you know, what I, what I know about that person. But that would have been a difficult client situation to work with. Mm-hmm. Because they walked in with certain high expectations, despite not having the, the experience and the knowledge of what a long-term campaign to establish credibility on social media in the press and all of those other things looks like. 
My goodness. Well, you have gained a lot of wisdom um, around how <laughs> small businesses. So thanks for sharing it with us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Glad to, uh, always glad to chat. It's good to talk through these things uh, in, in a more formal format. Yeah, definitely. Take care, Dustin. You too. Bye. that finishes another episode. I really enjoyed what Dustin said about networking events and how you don't want to rub a lot of elbows. You just want to rub the right elbows. Um, and so that, you know, encouraged me to maybe stop going to so many networking events, but making sure I'm going to the ones where my desired clients will actually be. Um, I hope that that gives you some encouragement for whatever it is you're trying to build and who you're trying to connect with, whether you're trying to publicize a small business or publicize your, your the nonprofit organization where you volunteer, don't just send the message out into the ether, but really target your energies. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.